Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and I'm joined by Andrea Trudden, Laura Current, and Jessica Warner from Heartbeat International, as well as David Mahan, who joins us from the Center for Christian Virtue. And a lot has happened in the state of Ohio leading up to our recent election day. And now that we have those much anticipated election results, um, a lot of you may be thinking, what does this mean? for my state, for the country, or even are just saying to yourself, well, now what? So we'll take a moment and share some reactions. We'll break down what it means, not just for Ohio, but for the nation. Uh, Now that Ohio, unfortunately, has abortion enshrined into our Constitution. So the the day after Election Day was a bit of a somber one for pro-lifers. But, you know, I was I was encouraged when I realized that pregnancy helped will continue on. And of course, we have Option Line, our 24-7 pregnancy helpline. It's always open. They're ready to take those calls from the women who need help wherever they are, whatever pregnancy questions that they may have. And the Option Line consultants are ready to connect women with your pregnancy help organization. They can even answer your calls after your doors have closed for the day. So to find out more, visit optionline.org. Or if you are part of a pregnancy center that would like those after hours call answering, email info at optionline.org. So thanks, everyone, for being here. And uh, Andrea, I'll turn things over to you. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you, David, Laura, and Jessica for being here today. I wish that it was better news that we got to share. But um, in the past week, we've had some time to process. um, And very glad to have um, you with us for the Pregnancy Help Podcast. So thank you for joining today. And wanted to jump in because... um, as we are all located in Ohio, and I know that um, many of our listeners are not necessarily, but many eyes were on Ohio last week with the election. Um, Christine, you kind of took my spiel a little bit because you did such a good job with the intro, but it was um, something that we've been following um, pretty much the past year, very laser focused um, to keep an eye on issue one. And um, so David has been really immersed in this uh, for the past several months. Um, And so actually, I think that he would be the best person to kind of give us a little bit of context as to what issue one for the state of Ohio was. And then what we're going to do in this time is really talk about what it means for pregnancy help and what it means for other states um, with the strategy of enshrining abortion into states' constitutions, as we've seen in Michigan, in Vermont, California, and other states. Um, But there are many others who are working to put uh, pro-life laws in. So, David, if you wouldn't mind um, getting us started by providing some context. Yeah. So, you know, just going way back, right, you know, we've had Roe v. Wade in our country for um, over 50 years, and um, that gets overturned uh, last year. And to the the shock and surprise of many, uh, it, it immediately, even even before everybody's done, you know, celebrating that uh, the ACLU Planned Parenthood uh, goes to the states, right, to to say, all right, it's the state's issue. Let's let's attack it on a state level. Um, you had you know a few states that that tried to um, fend that off with you know pro pro life constitutional amendments. They failed, and then you had a few states, including Michigan, that um, <clears throat> that wanted to enshrine abortion, a right to abortion, in their state constitution. And they succeeded. So we kind of went into this 0 for 6 and um, and really looking closely at states like Michigan, right, like to our north. And um, if there was ever a reason to hate them because of their, their horrible football team, uh, Governor Whitmer has done uh, uh, she just recently, you know, a lot of this was philosophical, right? Like what could happen if this constitutional amendment um, were to pass enshrining abortion? a right to abortion into the, the uh, constitution, what would that look like? And so there was a lot of philosophical of 
how does it, what are the implications for parental rights? What are the implications for uh, gender ideology and, um, and pediatric sex change procedures? And so a lot of these questions were, were kind of being um, kicked around. And, um, and, and, but now, you know, a year after Michigan's amendment passes, we're actually seeing Whitmer's wearing all pink, standing in front of a Planned Parenthood sign, uh, addressing the state legislature on Channel 3 News in Lansing, Michigan, saying that there are 11 laws that now have to be overturned because of their unconstitutionality of, of, you know, of the law. First on the list uh, was parental rights. And second on the list, they started chipping away at health and safety standards for women. And so, I, you know, if, if there was anything to be confused about, it was like, what, what are the because the language is so broad, what are what are all of the implications involved? Right. I think I think if there's any area to be confused by the people, it would be that um, because a lot of it was so hypothetical. Um, the loopholes are so wide, you could drive a truck through it. Um, but but the other thing, though, that, that was really disturbing was that this was a nonpartisan vote on life or death. It was not about Republican. It was not about Democrat. It was an awesome opportunity to really address what is what is how does God view the unborn? Um, and 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 so one, when is a baby a baby? Two, when should it be legally possible for a parent to take the life of their own child for convenience sake in the state of Ohio? Um, those are the two questions that we could really wrestle with. Um, and then some of the issues that came into play was what should the what should the main messaging be? Is it is it the life of the child, right? Um, um, is it you know the value of the unborn, or is it parental rights, or is it how extreme this constitutional amendment is would allow for um, uh, abortion full term all the way up until nine months? Um, this is where we wrestled as a state, and and we basically realized that you kind of need to different different lanes of, of messaging. One, with, with all the polling told us, and even when we went door to door across the state, the, the winning message for voters, uh, they were really concerned about the parental rights uh, and the extreme nature of uh, what, this, what this constitutional amendment would allow. That's what the polling told us. Would that be enough to mobilize the body of Christ and get them some of them out of their you know, heads out of their sand and, and really move and engage on this issue politically um, that that we didn't know. And so, you know, when we went around to the churches, Center for Christian Virtue. Our job was really to address the body. And uh, man, I, I crisscrossed the state for a year working in churches. And my wife's the director of a crisis pregnancy center here in inner city Columbus. She was right there with me. Um, and so we had to do all three. We, we had to talk about when a baby is a baby and family, I'm telling you, we may talk like we know it is a child inside the womb. But when I put up on the screen, I'm, I'm talking about the the parable of the Good Samaritan and, and the one wanting to justify himself to Jesus says, but who is my neighbor? And I put on a picture of a pregnant woman holding a baby. And I said, how many neighbors do you see? And hundreds of people say two instead of three. Because the baby inside the womb to them does not really have the same value as the baby in the arm. Um, this is where we are. Issue one, what happened in November 7th, is a snapshot, a reality check for where we are in the state of Ohio and the body of Christ. And you um, talked about kind of the vagueness and of the words. And we talk a lot here about how words matter and the intentionality behind it. 
um, and your efforts of even going around and, and asking people like what resonates with them and such. And so um, I want to see, I want to dive into that a little bit more. David, I know that you guys were very involved in kind of breaking down the terminology, breaking down the words, because that was yeah. a big deal. And what we were seeing was the nebulous terms that were being used. Would you mind getting into a couple of those terms? And we could talk about yeah. that and kind of these are, uh, we'll get to Jessica a little bit, because these are what we refer to as like the red flag words. Yeah. So it, it right, right from John, it, it says every individual has the right uh, to, to not abortion, but reproductive decisions. So two, two issues there, every individual means what? Every individual, okay? And so this isn't about, you know, some pastor's interpretation of what every individual should be. Legally, every individual means every individual. If they wanted to say women, they would say women. If they wanted to say except for minors, they would have said except for minors. And, and again, as we're seeing in Michigan, parental rights is something that they consider a barrier to, um, to service. And Planned Parenthood has always um, seen uh, parental involvement as a barrier to service for what they're trying to do with our kids. Um, and so that's the first key there. Um, and I think even the governor chimed in pretty well on that, that yeah, this, this would allow um, children, uh, minors, even minors who may have been um, coerced to be sexually engaged and produce it, you know, they, they produce a child that, that, that minor can now, um, be encouraged by um, that that person who abused them to now go and get an abortion without their their parents' involvement. Um, so that was that was one critical piece that we had to clarify with the people. The other piece is to, is to make sure that they understood that abortion was not the only thing on the table. Reproductive decisions is on the table. Abortion is just one piece of a reproductive decision. Um, fertility care and things like that, and so. Um, you know, they, they went off on the whole miscarriage. This would uh, prevent women from getting miscarriage care and things of that nature. And we Which went as far insane. as it was insane. I mean, we actually had a senator go to the director of the Ohio Department of Health and say, hey, you know, this is confusing people. Is there anything on the books right now that would prevent women from getting uh, miscarriage care? And they said, absolutely not. There's a difference between miscarriage care um, which deals with a um, a deceased child uh, versus abortion, which always ends in the death of a child um, and, and causing the death of a child. And so that was clarified. But again, I, I just, you know, and there's other things, too, in terms of health and safety standards now. Um, you know, we, we heard a lot of, um, well, first of all, on the reproductive decisions piece, um, there was a lot of debate of, do gender transition procedures for children, would that be included uh, if this were to pass? If you go to Nationwide Children's Hospital website right now, they actually have a fertility program at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And the reason why they say they have it is because certain treatment you know, uh, procedures could cause long-term fertility issues, including transgender procedures. And so we know with, with groups like Urge, it was part of that whole that whole uh, cabal, Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, um, they all consider uh, the gender procedures as a part of reproductive freedom and decisions and reproductive health in, in their book. Um, I mean, there, there's so much, there's so much in it, but, um, um, you know, we also heard that abortion is between a woman and her doctor. 
Um, most doctors do not perform abortion, as we all know. Um, we're talking about the McDonald's of healthcare here. And when it talks about um, an abortion may be prevented um, after the child, you know, it gets to the point of viability, um, except if in the professional judgment <laughs> of the abortionist, right, the the treating physician, right, or the abortionist, it, it affects the not just life of the mother, but health of the mother, um, which now includes legally emotional health, financial health, uh, mental health, and, and then familial health, right? My dad's going to kill me for any reason. That abortionist says that this woman needs to go ahead, even after the point of viability, um, that is now on the table. And that's where you get partial birth abortion, um, which Martin Haskell, we all know uh, here in the state of Ohio, the father of partial birth abortion, um, donated over six figures because he knew he's back in business with this thing passed. Yeah, he donated to advance this cause right. to vote yes for issue one. That was definitely something that was curious that nobody was really pushing that except the pro-life groups and letting people know about that. Um, but yeah, when you have such an effort behind pushing this, I, I know that you guys have been following a little bit about the money element, um, but I, I believe that we were like the pro-life side was outspent two to one or maybe even three to one, which is similar to, to what one. happened up in Michigan, correct? Yep. Michigan, um, uh, it was probably about 40 million to 20. Um, here was about 30 million to 10. Um, and again, we, we knew that we're not going to outspend these guys. I mean, you got George Soros funded, um, you know, groups on this. Uh, the ACLU was on this. There's no outspending these guys. However, um, we, we have, we can outvote them, right? We, See, this is like when we're talking about money, we're talking about media manipulation, which is a real thing. But when we're talking about life or death and getting the body of Christ to move, to stop, you know, the, 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 the taking of human life in, in the womb, that shouldn't have taken. I mean, really, there shouldn't have been a whole lot that any two minute, 60 second commercial could do if our biblical worldview on life was on point. That is it. This is the way I see it, ladies. It's like. We've got the Michigan-Ohio State game coming up. Um, let's say Ohio State shows up to the stadium with a third of its players. I mean, they're looking good in their gray uniforms, right, about to destroy Michigan on the field. They're looking good, but they only got about a third of their players. Um, everybody's like, man, where's all their players? But then they do pretty well. They're like, wow. Like, I mean, even with a third of players, they showed up and they're, they're grinding hard. It would be really ridiculous if at the end of the game we lose – and everybody's talking about what the offense did wrong, what the defense did wrong, what the special teams did wrong. The number one and really only question in my mind is where was the team? Where was the rest of the team? Ohio um, is about 12 million people. Okay. They say about 73% of Ohioans claim some form of Christianity. Okay. Um, in Michigan, it was 70% claim some form of Christianity. Let's say we just half of those. Six million Christians in the state of Ohio. We had about 1.6 million show up to vote no. 1.6 million showed up to vote no. That means a whole bunch of folks, millions, either did not vote or voted for the wrong team. That is what we have to talk about moving forward. <laughs> now you're absolutely right. And Laura, I'm going to go to you because I know that you've been following a lot of this on social media and working alongside some um, advocate groups um, for the pro-life side. What were you seeing along the way? 
uh, throughout the campaign, what kind of uh, inspiration or encouragement were you seeing and what were the nuances that you were really seeing uh, pro-life organizations um, and the opposition kind of get behind and try to like hone in on these pieces to, to sway the public? Yeah, I think David did a really good job explaining all the different nuances of the strategy and why um, Protect Women Ohio and Ohio Right to Life and CCV used the messaging that they used and the polling that they saw. And I know not everybody agreed with everything with that, but we really did try to put our research behind what we were doing. Um, and so I'll, I'll give the little bit of encouragement here and a little bit of like a very positive that I saw is I did see heavy engagement um, with certain churches and with um, student groups and grassroots. And that was just encouraging to see that we, I mean, we mobilized the people that we had and the people who gave funding. And, and I mean, I saw that more than ever. People gave what they could. And that was just really, really encouraging. Um, but David's 100% right is, well, we're missing a chunk in that. And so, um, although I, I will not miss an opportunity to say thank you for the people who did vote yes. Absolutely. Yeah, where, where, where were the people who, um, either the percent in the church who, who aren't even registered to vote or the people. Um, and I mean, it, it was uh, a tough fought battle as far as messaging. The other side, really good at deceptive messaging, really good at, at lying. And it's a whole lot easier to lie and give a short two minute commercial than it is to try to explain the nuances and, and what a constitutional amendment would do. So um, a little bit of grace in that, but this was a clear issue. This was a clear issue, like David said, of life or death. Um, that for the Christians, for the body of Christ, for that, um, if, if we're using the, the numbers he gave for the six million and here in Ohio who, who proclaim to believing in the Bible, believing in the life that Jesus Christ lived, like that is what we need to focus in on. And how do we get them back on our team? Um, and then, and I also saw, um, particularly with um, more rural conservatives, so I'm from a cattle farm out in rural Ohio, um, a lot of the people who were kind of on the fence um, were kind of saying, hey, this will never happen. Like we're pro-life, but we have a mass majority house. We have a mass majority Senate. We have a Republican governor. There's no way that this is going to go through. Um, and so that was just a little bit of the misconception of, of what does Ohio believe? I mean, again, we, we were able to bring our polling numbers closer than Michigan, closer than any other state before us, but, but it still wasn't enough. And I think some of that has to do with, yep, people are, are caught up in just on the wrong team and, and, and aren't understanding, but some of it is on us for, we just put the work on somebody else. And there's, there's no way that Ohio is pro-life. There's no way that we would let something like this come into our state. So I don't really have to give my time. I don't really have to give my financial resources. I don't really have to talk about this uh, because, because it's just not a reality. And I think that's where I, we, we messed up there. Yeah. yeah if, if I could just amen that Laura, you, you did a, a phenomenal job kind of cleaning up a little bit what I said. I, I want to say, in addition to where, you know, saying that we just didn't get enough of the body. Um, I've never in my 48 years of living seen the body of Christ come around and unify around anything more than I have issue one or life, right? It, it was beautiful. The black church, I'm talking to black pastors in Cleveland, Cincinnati, um, Dayton, who many of which vote Democrat, right? Prayerfully pro-life, but um, politically pro-choice. And then they're saying, David, how in the world have I not seen this before? This goes too far. We had a hundred and some black pastors sign up and say enough's enough, vote no on issue one. Um, and, and denominations, it, it was absolutely beautiful. But the reality 
was, it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Where were the rest of us? Yep. I think and, and uh, that, you made a good point. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Laura. I was just going to say that that's on us. And just like David said, I don't know if he said it in the podcast or quickly before we were talking, but that's where no God has not forsaken Ohio and God has not forsaken us. But man, we missed the mark on this one. As a state, we really missed this one. Yeah. I was going to point back to what you were saying, Laura, about um, essentially it's a good reminder to not become complacent because, yeah, oh, we have a pro life legislation. We should be fine. We have a pro life governor. There's no way this will pass. And it's that mindset that keeps some people at home because they just believe that, oh, you know, my vote doesn't really matter. We're going to be fine. But it does shine a light on the importance of each and every vote and the reminder of, we need to vote our values because there's going to be momentum one way or another. And when um, you have the opportunity, it is our duty as Americans to vote. We need to be like moved to do so. And I know that some just feel that it's not going to impact their lives, but this impacts generations. And that's something that we need to be remembering as well. I know our church was very bold and I was very excited to see how bold like. Um, literally the week of voting, we had had a few sermons in the weeks coming up saying point blank vote no. And here are the reasons why. But um, our uh, deacon came up and read um, a letter from the bishop from the Columbus diocese all about issue one. And it was very beautiful to see. Again, they were handing out signs. They were really um, encouraging it in all aspects and all communications across the board. Again, I doesn't reach everybody, of course, but it, it was, as you were saying, beautiful to just see that uh, the church get behind in those cases. We need more. Um, but I think this may have been a good awakening moment um, for us all, too. So I do want to kind of go. Um, oh, Jessica, did you have anything to add there? Well, yeah, I think I just to just to add to that, like, I think it was a wake up call. I think, as Laura said, we're used to winning in Ohio. Um, the cons- like the pro-life movement is used to getting successes and that can put anybody in a state of complacency. We put ourselves in bubbles, assuming that everyone around us votes the way we do or simply votes. And um, I hope this is a wake up call, not just to Ohioans um, that encourages them. I think under Roe v. Wade, we're used to saying, like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about abortion, all this stuff that this is because because you can't quite do anything. But now that this is truly in the state's purview to control, we need to be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations. And I hope this motivates not just Ohioans, but those in other states to have these uncomfortable conversations and talk about the reality of abortion. Yeah, exactly. It's a good reminder. We live in what we refer to as a life state. There are abortion states and neutral states, but it is a good reminder of just because you are living in a life state, do not just assume that everybody's going to vote the way that you expect them to make your voice heard through voting. Um, And Jessica, we are going to stay with you um, because you have been following this from the Pregnancy Center perspective. And so now that November 7th has passed, we're on to a new election year. And I know that you've been following this um, specifically because we know that a lot of things may be happening across the nation next year. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So one of the reasons, is, as you said, that we're focusing so much on Ohio is because this was the one state with an, with a ballot initiative on um, on the ballot for November. Um, 
now we're moving into 2024 and it's not just Ohio. I mean, it's no longer Ohio, it's other states as well. And we're looking at up to nine different states that could have very similar amendments on their ballots in 2024. Um, Those states range from New York to South Dakota to Arizona to Florida. Um, The ones that are currently on the ballots are Maryland and New York. Um, But all of these other states that you would consider to be more life states are also Uh, likely to be put on the ballot. So we're still tracking that. We have some information on our site where you can follow um, as that it will be placing information for each of those states as they come up and as more information is made available. But this has implications. Um, Just because you live in a state that you think is going to be safe from an amendment like this, um, don't make the same mistakes we did. Start educating, start talking about this now. Use this as a wake-up call to ensure that those in your circles understand what these amendments will do. Um, And so be paying attention. Um, We are looking at these states and seeing where they're going to go, what's going to be on the ballots. We have a lot of different education on our website that we've been beefing up uh, throughout this time, looking at Ohio's example um, and what you should be doing to be looking out for. As um, David so eloquently put it, he went over a lot of the same red flag words that we point out. Um, We have an article on that on our site. It is our Get Out the Vote site, which I'm sure Christine will put in in the show notes um, for you to reference. But terms such as um, uh, burden or individual um, and miscarriage care and the like, these are all things that you should be referencing and understanding what they actually mean. Because as David had said, these are really overly broad amendments. These are amendments that don't come out and say what they're about right at the top all the time, that they try to hide behind the terms of reproductive care and miscarriage care and um, just really broad generalizations, but have very far-reaching impact when placed in constitutional amendments. There's a reason why they're trying the strategy. It's because they don't have to go through the the legislatures of these pro-life states. They don't have to fight those battles. They can pay this one lump sum um, and fight in these well, with these deceptive words um, and hopefully succeed and and make it very difficult to go back because we don't have the, you know, we can't fight these battles every single year. This isn't just going to be next year. It's going to be on the ballot again. We have to take the time to educate to be able to fight this fight again in Ohio. So if we can defeat them right at the source, right from the beginning, that is the best case scenario. Um, but they're going to be fighting this on many fronts next year. You bring up a good question for those who are not in Ohio and for even those who are kind of, okay, so this passed, it's now in our constitution. What happens to all the pro-life laws that were on the books? Yeah. So I can, I can start on this one. I'm sure others can weigh in a little bit more. Um, This is something that uh, it's a big question mark in in Michigan, and it's not entirely a big question mark. There's some different theories on what's going to happen next. In Michigan, it's a little bit different than in Ohio. Um, in Michigan, they're kind of voluntarily repealing legislation uh, that it was passed, pro life laws that were passed, um, health and safety standards, parental consent laws, things along those lines. Um, in Ohio, the state legislature is not going to do that. Um, we have a pro life legislature here. They're not going to voluntarily repeal pro life laws. Um, so this is going to take it to the courts. 
the courts are where they're going to challenge these regulations um, based on the fact that they will hinder the ability for women to get abortions. Um, so those are going to go through the courts and be fought individually in um in the state courts, we do have a conservative uh, Supreme Court, um, but when something is written this specifically and this broadly, it's going to be very difficult um, for any protections to stand. David, do you yeah. have more specific? Yeah, I, I would do the language of unenforceability. So like when when a constitutional amendment is passed, it trumps regular statute, which basically in essence makes all other laws that run counter to it unenforceable. Right. So this one of the things uh, Governor DeWine said, this is going to be a legislative nightmare. And that's where Planned Parenthood thrives um, is in, in the ACLU thrives. Right. So that's where your rental rights, that's where your gender transition and, and all of that. All these things are, are up in the air now um, and likely be deemed unenforceable. And I and I'm that's not CCV talking. That's not focused on the family. That's that's the Alliance Defending Freedom. Four, there are 15 out of 16 Supreme Court wins at, at the overturn Roe v. Wade uh, with Dobbs. I mean, it, it's it's going to be a challenge here, um, and there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of options that that are on the table. None of them really beautiful options, um, but all of them long term. Uh, the most effective of them will be the most long term. Yeah, we talk about the fact that um, Michigan and Ohio now become case studies for the other states to see what we do, because um, we're already seeing Michigan um, now looking to allow partial birth abortion in their state just within a year of signing it into their constitutions. Now, um, let's, let's see how we can uh, counter that and remain a culture of life in spite of this um, amendment being pushed or not pushed through, voted in and yeah. enshrined into our constitution. Okay, so Tuesday passed and Wednesday morning. Curious, Laura, what was the mood um, in your world at Heartbeat, like Tuesday night hearing the news and then coming in um, and kind of going to go around next to David, kind of see how it compares because it, it is something that we need to acknowledge it was kind of a bummer, um, but I'd love to hear from you from your perspective. Yeah, um, it was heartbreak. It was it was just defeat. I mean, we we lost in this and the implications of us losing is, I mean, it's just this weight. It's a very just hard, hard thing to come to grips with, even understanding what the amendment could do. Um, truly understanding how that's going to impact Ohio. And I think that's what um, weighed the most on me and people that I talked to is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pro-life. I'm not going to get an abortion. How is this going to affect me? But the way that this affects the culture of life in Ohio, like Jessica mentioned, this isn't really something that we can easily change, but public opinion is shaped by law. And so it really is a, it's a hard place for Ohio to be because um, if we start allowing more abortion and start allowing this mindset of, of this selfish mindset of I come before anybody else or anything else, um, that, that just kind of escalates and, and gets worse and worse. And so um, just this trajectory of where Ohio is going, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Ohio is my home. I want to raise my family here. Um, and this just totally really does shift the landscape. How about you, David? How were things at CCB? It was tough. It, it is tough. Um, even, even this morning. And, uh, 
the, the very next morning I woke up to beautiful texts from all over the country, you know, people that, you know, thanks for standing, you know what I mean? Like, like God is still on the throne, beautiful text, but, but it made me weep. And, and as, as I was getting up and the reason why was not because we lost a game, right. Or lost an election. There's 30,000 plus babies lives that were on the line on Tuesday. And that has to grieve us. If, if it does not grieve us, Right. And, and I know, you know, we want our organizations to look good. And, you know, we, we did our best. We did. We left it all on the field. But the reality to those babies is is it should cut us. And if it does not cut us, if it doesn't cut the pastors, even who stood in their pulpits and, and preached and, and, and said, hey, this is what we need to do. This is where we need to stand. If it does not cut us to the point of tears, then, I, you know, I don't know if moving forward we're going to be able to change anything. When you look at the number of young people that uh, they voted yes, it was disturbing. It was disturbing. They won 56 to 43, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that uh, to this point in the podcast, but they won 56 to 43. That That's an impressive victory. Um, we could have took care of this legislatively um, back in January, February. So, you know, I kind of pushed back on Ohio's a pro-life state. Uh, you know, Ohio is a red state. We're purple at best. I mean, I've, I've been saying that for three years, as, as long as I, I, I got across the street from the state house. Um, I, I, I think we have some false perceptions and some taglines that we like to say every year that November will hopefully correct. If We have to see this with, with, with reality that we're living in right now and that we're not as red as we thought. Conservatives are not as Christian as we thought. And the church is, is not as pro-life as we thought. And that as bad as that that is, it's a good place to start reality. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say this is Jessica. Um, I was going to say that, yeah, I think reality is important. Um, and I think, David, you're exactly right that I think sometimes our perceptions, as we've talked about, our perceptions of how things are skews our reactions and our actions to uh, and responses to these issues. Um, yeah. It, it was hard. It was hard Wednesday morning. Um, my background is also as a lobbyist at Ohio Right to Life, and it's hard reflecting on the time that you spend working on these laws, worked on so many of these laws that we passed to protect women and children, and to wake up one morning and realize that all of that work for years is going to be reversed. It's heartbreaking. Um, it's heartbreaking because we do this work because we love these moms and we love these babies and women are going to be lied to and, and now have access to abortions all the more, um, to be able to be manipulated and pressured, um, into abortions that they don't want. Um, and we're going to lose lives and, and that's heartbreaking. And you're right, David, that should be heartbreaking to us because it grieves God. It should grieve us because it grieves God. Um, I am grateful that I get to work with a team that supports pregnancy centers because now in Ohio, that's that's the response. The response is going to be trying to reach these women before the abortionists do. It's re reaching these women maybe even after they've taken the chemical abortion pill, um, that we need to be able to be there as we educate Ohioans and we activate Ohioans, that they can see the horrific results of what issue one has done to this state. Um, hopefully that this will be a lesson to them, that they can see the results and understand what horrific choice they made. 
Um, but while we do that, we reach these moms and we try to save these lives as best as possible through pregnancy help. Um, and I For think sure. that's what we're doing looking forward is that um, while maybe the legislature is not going to have a whole lot of success doing certain things, what they can do is support pregnancy help. What they can do is proclaim the work that pregnancy help does so that women can turn to pregnancy help centers and pregnancy uh, and like um, maternity homes and adoption agencies and those options rather than the option of abortion that's going to be very easily accessible to them now. Yeah, when we get together every morning here at Heartbeat International, we pray at 9 a.m. And um, the Wednesday morning was definitely a time of reflection and it was very somber. Um, but one of our colleagues from our medical impact department actually shared some scripture that um, I'm going to read. Uh, Jarell ended up sharing it um, across all of our affiliates as well, but it, it really hit home and just kind of definitely filled my heart with hope, which I hope to uh, bring as well here. It's John 16, 20 through 22. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. And that just hit like so many heartstrings for me. And that, that moment of like, okay, that reminder that we've gone to a few times in this podcast, it's God's got this. There is a plan and it may be to mobilize people to be that awakening. And that is something that we um, should be encouraged by to see what mobilization there was already in Ohio and seeing the realities of people talking about this to get the, to get the clarity out a little bit more. It's, it's an opportunity to prepare the other states that are on the ballot in 2024 and to do our part to really advance this message of truth, hope, and love um, through our work of pregnancy help, but then also this clarity that we can provide by what we've been able to experience. So that is, um, kind of a little note of encouragement that I want to leave, um, but I want to throw it out. Um, we'll start with you, Jessica. What is another note? You were actually, were kind of already on it with the encouragement piece, but another word of encouragement that we can provide um, for our listeners today. Yeah, I think it's just an encouragement both to take heart. Like we have options of how to reach these women. Um, they're not doomed to abortion. These children are not doomed to abortion. We have the answer, we have hope for them. Um, but also encouragement in the sense of um, continue speaking, continue engaging, continue talking about this. Um, I think we, we all too often, as we said, assume that everyone knows what abortion is, that the, the, they understand the damage of abortion. They understand the damage it is to women. They understand these things. Um, but I think what we've learned is that people don't see the reality of abortion. They don't see the reality of abortion for the baby, and they don't see the reality of abortion for women. And so be encouraged in the fact that um, we have 
uh, hope for these women through our pregnancy help movement. We can reach them. We can be that solution. We can um, decrease abortion on the demand side of abortion, hopefully, um, but that we also have a lot of work to do when it comes to communicating um, the hope of life. Laura? Um, mine. So the other night, little story here. The other night, um, I was with a group of friends and we were watching um, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and then we follow it by Charlie Brown Christmas and that's what kicks off the Christmas season. Um, I was just watching that and I started getting really sad because it just, they in Charlie Brown Christmas, um, Linus comes and he shares the gospel and that's the true meaning of Christmas. And just watching that and knowing the state that Ohio was in on Saturday um, and since it's been since Tuesday and just a sadness of we don't make movies like this anymore. We don't talk like this anymore. But just in that, sitting around family and sitting around these friends, it was like, that is the encouragement is we get the choice to choose Jesus Christ. And we as a family get to choose how we're going to raise our children and how we're going to protect our children and our families. And so as I mean, in states and big abortions coming after states hard, just like they did Ohio, we still get to wrap our arms around our families with the hope of Jesus Christ. And that really is our hope. I mean, without him, evil wins, but we know that it doesn't. And so um, that was just, the, that was a bit of encouragement to me is, okay, thank you, Lord. And, and I know how I'm going to live my life here in Ohio and how I'm going to serve my community and how I'm going to uh, point other people to Christ in the midst of doing that, regardless of what our legislatures or courts do. I think whenever you can bring in Charlie Brown and encouragement, that's always a good idea, <laughs> a good win. How about you, David? I would say um, the most encouraging thing in this whole year's sprint um, here in Ohio is what God did in the hearts of African-Americans. Um, I was so thankful for the opportunity where there was no RD personality to get in, in the mix. We can just talk about life, right? We could just talk about the fact that 14% of Ohioans uh, are Black, but yet we represent 48% of the abortions, right? And on on the heels of Planned Parenthood actually throwing Margaret Sanger, their racist eugenist founder, under the bus, right? Taking her name off of the Margaret Sanger Center in New York, taking her name off the street sign in front of the center. This was this was all within the last three years. And very few people know about this, especially in the African-American community. But when I first started speaking about the pro-life roots of the African-American people, um, um, first, it would frown up at me, but it, it would just melt away when they heard this thing where it's okay for us to kill our kids. It's only about 50 years old that the, the civil rights movement, uh, you know, from from not just King, but Jesse Jackson is my favorite pro-life speaker. You know, all the way until 1978, you know, he was pro-life traveling all across the country talking about life. Uh, abortion is genocide. And Lou Hamer and... Um, it's it just on down the Black Panthers. All these were pro-life because they realized how you're going to have power to the people when you're killing your own people. We have to speak with that kind of moral clarity again, that historic clarity again in the African community, at the Black community, because in these campaigns, when it hits your state, it's almost man, right? Because all the polling people we shopped across the country and we said, how effective have you been in, in moving the black community on this issue. And none of them said that they even tried. None of them even tried. And, and in Ohio, we said that we have a moral imperative. We don't have a zero behind it, but we have a moral imperative to tell the story here. And, uh, and we saw a beautiful thing. And I think moving forward, we, we, we have to give more 
we, we have to give more room for God to do it. I love the fact that we all seem to have some stories where people had the aha moments throughout this year. And I think that that's what is going to happen is more aha moments. And that's what we can pray to continue to happen that God is working. And, and I always say we're like in the midst of it all to where it does feel a little overwhelming, but God is so good and he has a great plan that prayerfully we love to see it play out. Um, but right now we are in the midst. And so I'm glad to know that we have these aha moments where we can cling on to. It's like we touched her life. This family now exists because they received help at a center. This woman completely changed her perspective after really seeking to understand what the pro-life movement is and how it is for women and families. And so thank you, David. Thank you, Laura and Jessica, for joining us today. I know that um, I wish that we got to talk about the happy side of a win, but it is important to reflect on what happened um, within our own state and so that we can use it as a learning opportunity to help others um, who may be encountering this in the coming years. Um, we will continue to keep an eye on things at that national level and international, actually, as we have people, um, affiliates all over the world. Um, but we are going to continue to post things at heartbeatservices.org as, uh, as news comes up um, and provide those educational materials and then continue to pour in inspiration and education as well through the Pregnancy Help podcast, through Pregnancy Help News, um, and uh, through our email. So thank you all for joining today. Um, we're uh, grateful for the opportunity and partnerships that we do have to work alongside um, CCV and other organizations that really uh, do work cohesively as best we can to promote a culture of life, because that we know that when people truly see the value in each and every life and the potential that they have, that this will not be an issue anymore. Um, but we know that that's still a ways away, but we will continue to do our work day in and day out um, because that's what we have been called to do. And it's what um, we have said yes to. So sending it back over to Christine to close us out. Alrighty. Thank you, Andrea, Jessica, Laura, and David. Really appreciate your time with us. Um, I know the um, you all, I think at one point mentioned grief. That's kind of what everyone's feeling at the moment, but I'm already hearing we're moving forward. We're gathering more people. We're continuing that momentum. And so that's encouraging just to hear that this isn't over. We keep moving forward and uh, with the goal to make abortion unthinkable, unwanted, just to eliminate it altogether in every state, regardless of where those laws end up. So thank you all for the work you do. Thank you to the pregnancy centers who are listening. We're so grateful for you. Um, if you'd like to stay tuned to what's happening in the Pregnancy Help world, subscribe to the Pregnancy Help podcast, and we wish you all the best in your own state.